Hi, everyone, and welcome to a special edition, episode 150 of the Tick Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is Advocacy Express, an interview with Alexandra Moresco and DJ McCurr. My name is Richard Johannesson. And I'm Matt Sabatello. So, Matt, we have many people ask us, what can I do? And it's a little bit more challenging for us to make recommendations about how people can contribute to Lyme disease advocacy when they're sick and they can't leave their houses. And what's really cool about this business that we're profiling today is Ali Moresco, who's one of our good friends and one of our past podcast guests, has had a transformation where she's used her skills to advocate for the Lyme disease community. And traditionally, she had been working in the not-for-profit arena, and now she's pivoting over to an entrepreneurial model. Rich, what's so powerful about this interview for me is the fact that Ali brought her skill as a Lyme disease advocate, and DJ brought his skill and background in government, and they put together this platform that allows people to raise awareness and advocate for Lyme disease to their elected officials. And this is a real way we can make change in the Lyme community. So, hey, Ali and DJ, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Good to be back. Well, we are really excited to have you back, and we're really excited to have DJ, who is sort of the silent presence in your life. So uh, we know all about Linda because she's a very active gal, so we know who your mom is, but your husband is his, has been really sort of quiet, at least in our world. So we're really excited to finally have the quiet DJ on the, um, on the uh, podcast. So what we want to do is sort of like now take the next step, Ali. You, uh, you were kind enough to join us and share your journey on our podcast. And it was, quite frankly, one of my favorite podcast episodes ever. Uh, and part of the reason why it's one of my favorites is because I love you. But part of why uh, it's, it's one of my favorites is because I got to do it without Matt. And he was really upset about not joining us on the podcast. But anyway, I shouldn't gush about Matt's pain. Um, so tell us, folks, uh, about this next step, uh, Ali, in your transformation. You had this beautiful transformation that you've gone through, and you've taken these wonderful talents that you have, Ali, that you developed um, as, a, uh, as a college student, and you began to bring these talents and these gifts that God has given to you, and you've brought them to the Lyme disease community, and you're now one of the, if not the most effective advocate, one of the, certainly the, one of the most effective advocates. So now you and your husband are pairing your talents together and you're doing something new. So you can share with us how this element of your transformation is developing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, you guys know, and I think hopefully most listeners know now because I'm very like loud and proud about it. Um, but I do a lot of advocacy in the tick-borne disease world. Um, I do a lot of philanthropy for mostly um, Global Lime Alliance, a lot of fundraising. And um, about two years ago, I started to get involved in political advocacy, learned a lot. Like my background is in PR. I am not like I had to hire, you know, like public policy tutor. Like I started (laughs) from the beginning. Um, And, you know, lucky for me, my husband DJ's background is public policy and, and government and legislation. Um, so, you know, we kind of put our heads together to figure out, okay, how can we start to drive change together um, in the public sector? And that's pretty much how Advocacy Express was born. I don't know if you have anything to add there, DJ. Well, so I, I certainly want to ask him a question, DJ. Tell us a little bit about your background, DJ, because we don't want you to be entirely silent, even on the podcast. So tell us about your background and where you're from and how you met your beautiful wife. Yeah, no, actually, so I grew up in Michigan um, and went to University of Michigan for undergrad uh, where I studied public policy. Um, and after undergrad, I took a consulting job, moved to Chicago, which is where I met uh, Allie while she was at, finishing at DePaul. 
And um, as Al kind of mentioned, my background's all in public policy, really interested in the intersection of business, public policy, entrepreneurship, um, and really just being a change enabler at the end of the day and finding ways to um, maximize the impact we can have on other people's lives. Um, little did I know that it would eventually take me to supporting Lyme disease and uh, Al's journey as well, but it, uh, our, kind of our talents and skills have been very complementary for supporting this cause. So DJ, talk to us about how your experience, both in education with public policy and then ultimately working in government, helped you and Ali together to envision Advocacy Express. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, it's, there's no single moment where it was kind of like born out of the idea. It's all many smaller experiences, actually. Um, so I think, uh, you know, there's critiques of every organization out there. And what we saw was just a lot of fragmentation. And I think that's something that I observed as well, just through my personal experience working in, um, you know, governments and for politicians and economic development agencies that, um, you know, there's a lot of fragmentation occurring. There's um, a, a great opportunity to coordinate efforts better throughout all this. And then also, um, you know, that though everyone is very active online, you know, with family and friends, there's actually a very few number of people that take action to write to politicians to engage them, um, you know, outside of the, the voting booth or in other ways as well. And when they are engaged, I found them to be very reactive to it, um, you know, uh, you know, their constituents needs uh, putting those first and really thinking about it in the lens of that. And um, as we saw more and more in the Lyme community of, um, you know, uh, voices, you know, falling on deaf ears, we saw a need to increase, um, you know, impact through uh, engagement with our, you know, public officials. Ali, one of the questions we get often on our page and people have actually asked us offline is what is our political affiliation, which really should not play a role in advocating for Lyme disease awareness and change. But is Advocacy Express a political organization or are you more of a nonpartisan, just sort of uh, help the cause foundation? So honestly, I mean, I'm stealing this line from Bonnie and Jeff Crater. I will tell you that right now. Um, they are the first people to say that tick-borne disease is a bipartisan issue. It doesn't matter who you are, where you live, X, Y, and Z, anyone, anywhere can get Lyme or a tick-borne disease. Um, and I know like, that's why they say they're bipartisan. And I would say the same about us. I mean, whoever is willing to work with us and listen and respond to constituents that take the time to send letters through Advocacy Express is who we will work with to drive change because it benefits the entire community. And that's how I feel about it. Yeah, and I agree. And I think, you know, we've actually been, um, I think pleasantly surprised at some of the engagement we've seen between both sides of the aisle as well. Um, I know we've spoken to like state senators and congressmen in the past and them willing to share ideas and work across. And I think that's something that really needs to be done here. As soon as it becomes a one-sided issue or a political, um, you know, affiliation issue, um, it just presents yet another hurdle that has to be overcome. So uh, we're very nonpartisan yeah. in, in nature on that. And for example, you know, on, on Wednesday, we're meeting with, um, Senator Durbin and Senator Duckworth. And last year we met with um, Senator Roy Blunt. So, and they, you know, they all take it seriously. They all want to help. So whoever is willing to help is who we're going to keep talking to. So now DJ, we have a lot of different people and a lot of different interests competing for the same dollar. So the challenge is not really just getting people interested in the cause as good people, but it's getting 
elected officials have decided they're going to dedicate more of the limited pot of money to Lyme disease than they are to other types of um, expenditures. So can you talk about how Advocacy Express is going to help us to get the attention of the elected officials to give more resources to Lyme disease research and uh, I guess treatment? Yeah, absolutely. So there's, I, I think, two pieces to that. One is the funding, you're right. And uh, I know last year, the Kagan and Take the Act, there's been, you know, an increase in funding from, you know, almost the, the zero dollar amount that it used to be, but it's, you know, pales in comparison to the, the actual need for it. So Advocacy Express focuses on uh, writing letters to representatives in the U.S. House of Representatives right now, which is important for two reasons. One, because all spending bills have to originate in the House of Representatives. So any dollar the government spends, the U.S. House of Representatives has to provide it and support it. So that's, you know, they really control the purse strings for the government. And so that's, we're starting with them. And then they're also elected every two years, um, which just puts a little bit more constituent pressure on it. They represent a fewer number of constituents. So more letters from fewer constituents, you know, can raise flags for them that there's a need in their communities. Um, and then on the flip side, you know, it, it goes beyond just funding research and treatment as well. It's really advocating for policy changes as well. I think a lot of Lyme disease patients run into barriers where something's not covered by insurance, um, where you know maybe there's limited guidance from the CDC on how to treat it or what Lyme disease is. There's a whole host of other, I would say, um, non-fiscal items that can be addressed through policy change as well that would really enable a lot of support for this community too. Mm -hmm. So Ali, why, why letters, right? I mean, in, in today's world, why not social media? Why not email? Why choose to use letters of all the other options you could have picked to send these letters to raise awareness with the government officials? Oh, baby, that's a great question. Because <laughs> um, I get this, I get asked this frequently, like at least once a week. Um, so when we started doing our research and looking into like really seriously starting and opening and running Advocacy Express, um, we started to look into between like social media, online petitions, phone calls, emails, forms, letters, like what is the most effective form of communication to, to get in contact and in front of your representatives. And um, there was actually a really great study um, an investigation actually done by the OpenGov Foundation where they found, and this was in 2019, so fairly recently, that two thirds of forms and emails go unopened in political offices. And this is number one, because um, staffing issues, most offices are extremely short staffed with um, legislative correspondence. And number two, um, just organization. Um, they're not maybe as organized as they should be to get through everything and document it. Um, the other part of that is that constituents often forget to put their address in their area code. So if you don't do that and they can't prove that you're a constituent, they're not going to document it. And same thing with phone calls. People call, they get flustered. Um, they don't leave their area code. So then we started looking into it. And as we started talking to the people actually working in these offices, they were telling us about letters and how impactful they are and um, that there, we talked to someone in the office for um, the senator from Nevada, and he said, literally, if we got 50 letters on an issue, which really isn't that many when you consider the population, everyone in that office knew about it. Every legislative correspondent up to the senator, the congressman, whoever it was, um, and they were doing something about it. Because ultimately, if you're willing to take the time to buy postage to send a letter, you're willing to go out and vote. And for some of these politicians, that's what they care for. Um, that's what they care about. Mm -hmm. So 
We also found out in these conversations that letters are the only form of communication, as long as you include your address and area code and your name, that have to be opened and documented and um, looked at. They get looked at then when it comes to appropriations, which is funding, right? So just because a bill or a piece of legislation is passed doesn't mean that it's funded. So these these data points of like how many letters these offices are getting are super, super important for when we go to fund tick-borne disease legislation. So DJ, one of the challenges that we've learned through interviewing now more than 150 people suffering from chronic Lyme disease is that they're really sick. Uh, many people can't leave their bed. Many people can't work. And although this sounds like a really great vehicle for getting the attention of elected officials, it will cause friction for people who are not feeling well to get a piece of paper and write a letter and, and, um, and mail it. So talk to us about how uh, you've reduced the friction so that people who are not feeling well can participate in advocacy at, at its most effective level. Yeah, absolutely. And we tried to make it as simple as a process and as possible. Kind of our thought was how can we make this a machine that just keeps on advocating for people with the, the click of a mouse? And as we were thinking about it, right, you know, if you were to take the time to sit down and write a letter, it'd probably take you maybe an hour to write it. You have to do a little bit of research on your own. If we're all, you know, all four of us here are writing a letter, they're probably all going to sound a little bit different, not talking on, you know, maybe the most important points or referencing the right bill, the, the most current legislation. Um, and that's a lot of effort for somebody that's, you know, chronically fatigued, maybe has arthritis-like mm -hmm. symptoms, difficult getting out of bed. And so we said, how can we create a process that's essentially a one-click process to select a cause that's important to them to advocate for, and then let all the logistics of it, the mailing, the research be handled by the experts, you know, the, the team behind it. So I don't have to worry about it, but I know that my voice is being heard at the end of the day. And it's not just for, you know, people that are digitally kind of, uh, you know, enabled on email, but there's also a lot of people that aren't digitally native and know how to use, um, you know, online petitions, email, things like that, that also need to have their voices heard as a part of this as well. And that's, again, goes back to the importance of letter writing. Yeah. And if you don't mind, if I jump in here, um, you know, it's, you guys know firsthand. I mean, Matt, you live with Lyme disease, you know, the ebbs and flows mm -hmm. constantly. And having interviewed over 150 people and hearing about the brain fog and the fatigue and like, you're sick enough. You don't need one more thing on your plate. You know, you're already advocating for yourself to your doctors, to your insurance company, to your billing companies. Like you don't have time to sit and write like an incredibly well thought out letter. If your brain even lets you, I know that firsthand. So we're just trying to make it like as easy as possible for people. So Ali, for those of us, for those listening that aren't convinced that this is an effective way to get change in the Lyme community, Talk to us about the response you've been getting from representatives just in the short period of time you've been running Advocacy Express. Yeah, it gives me, um, it's been really exciting to see all of the responses. It gives me like goosebumps even right now because I'm a nerd. <laughs> um, we, we always, we ask that, you know, our community that's supporting Advocacy Express and sending letters that if they ever get a response, they send it to us because it helps us to know like, Number one, what are the representatives responding well to in the letters? So then we can update. We're constantly um, updating the letters as you know they're being sent. And um, also just to know that they're getting responses. And I would say a few times a week, we have people, mostly actually through Instagram, they send me screenshots of either emails they're getting back or letters that they're getting back. Um, and it tends to, the responses tend to fall into a few different baskets. Number one is like, oh my God, I had no idea this was this big of an issue. 
and we're going to get to work on this. The second response is that, you know, it's, it's a politician that supported the Kay Hagan Tick Act, which is always wonderful. Um, or the third response is for them really like looking for more information, which is always great. So it just has been nice to see these like very thoughtful responses coming through. So that's the first part of it. I think the second part for us, a huge win was obviously getting that $91 million in funding. And we absolutely cannot take credit for that. Bonnie and Jeff Crater have been spearheading that for a long time. Um, but when you look at what they were able to achieve in the years past compared to this year, as the community has like really rallied to send letters and made it known to their representatives that this is something they know and care about and, and really critically need. Um, it just goes to show that the letters are working. And I know, um, you know, Bonnie and Jeff believe in the next five to 10 years, we can see half a billion to a billion dollars in funding for Lyme disease. So I'm like, let's go, let's keep pushing. <laughs> and I think too, like the other challenge, you know, this is like steering a big ship and turning yeah. a big ship. It doesn't happen overnight and people want instant change. And it's difficult, especially in the world, in the world of instant gratification that we have to, to see that. But truly we're starting to steer the ship and, and move the direction of it little by little and more and more every day. I think one of the other great benefits of the letters that was kind of been maybe an unanticipated one is uh, when we send letters to the representative, we also send each one to the, whoever orders so they have a copy of it, they can see it. And one of the things has actually been, I think uh, you've gotten some comments on as well is like the validation that people get when they receive that letter back to themselves of, I feel my voice has been heard, right? I am important. Yeah. Um, you know, these are, you know, this is, you know, written in a way where it's convincing and informative and really advancing what we're doing on this topic here. And I think a lot of people have found a lot of validation in that during tough times. Absolutely. So Ali, why don't you talk to us about how it feels to move into a different arena? You, you've actually become most well-known for raising hundreds of thousands of dollars in the not-for-profit arena. How does it feel to now look at the uh, Lyme disease problem through a different lens and using a different model? Oh boy, Rich. Um, <laughs> you know, it feels good. Um, you know, I'm not married to like any one form of advocacy. I, and this is where I get myself into trouble sometimes. I'm like, I see something that needs to be done. And I'm like, well, why don't we just do it? You know, I mean, my, at, at a certain point, I kind of just realized like, I can't wait for somebody else to save me. I can't wait for somebody else to like step in or do the thing. Like I, we just have to do it ourselves. And we're, I'm, I'm fine doing that. I know DJ's fine doing that. Um, it's been honestly like a whole other world. Like I said earlier, I, you know, worked with a public policy tutor. I sat with DJ for hours at a time and had him break things down for me because, um, you know, you learn about the government in like middle school and high school. And then I studied PR and advertising in college. So hadn't thought about it in forever. So like, I'm sure to you and to Matt, it's like second nature that like, oh, appropriations is funding. And like, I was sitting there a couple of years ago, I'm like, what? the fuck is an appropriation? Um, so a lot of it for me is like taking what I've learned and then sharing it with other people to educate them. And like, so they understand how it works, um, which has been like a lot of fun and, and a really cool, cool thing. Um, once I kind of got past the initial like hurdle. Um, yeah, I think it all needs to work in conjunction with each other. And I really, really value my work on Advocacy Express with DJ because like DJ just said, mm -hmm. even if I get like one email saying like, I finally feel validated, I finally feel heard after, mm -hmm. you know, 10 years or whatever, like that to me, it's completely worth it. Um, mm -hmm. 
and it's funny because a couple of weeks ago I had somebody that finds and runs like political candidates reach out to me and I had a call with them and I said to DJ I was like who would have thought literally nobody ever would have thought that I would be talking politics <laughs> but here we are so so DJ in most cases people sort of segregate foundations from not-for-profit from government from entrepreneurship but it seems like your educational experience and then your work experience sort of tied all of those different um, elements together so talk to us about how your personal experience both educationally and personally created this uh, project that tied together all of these different models yeah and I think you know it, it's really just an evolution of the past number of years uh, kind of our you know, our Al's journey online, you know, our own educational journeys, work experience is converging together a little bit and finding that intersection of, um, you know, where can we make impact, find something that, you know, to uh, do together as a part of this and, and fill a void too. So it, I don't think it was, you know, so much any, any single item along the way. I think there was a lot of um, maybe tailwinds that helped us make this decision that when we were kind of ready to hit the road, we said, yes, let's do it. Mm -hmm. uh, big credit to Al for pushing us to do it as well, because I uh, am a constant tinkerer. And so it was, you know, like I said, kind of noodling on the idea for a year or two before jumping in. And finally she gave the, the push that said like, now's the time we have to do this. Um, as she was talking about before, you know, taking it into our own hands a little bit, because there are many, many, you know, efforts out there very well-intentioned, but just kind of the fragmentation of everything, right? And what are the voids that are there and where can we bring things together through this work too? And now you mentioned it's an easy process for people that are suffering from Lyme and have brain fog, that they can easily go onto your website and purchase this. But what different options do you have? What, what are the price tiers for people to be able to communicate with their representatives from either a monthly or a weekly basis over the course of a year? Absolutely. Um, you know, something I want to stress in relation to the subscriptions is that you know, one of the things we found in our research, which makes sense when you think about it, is that advocacy needs to be consistent. You can't, I mean, hey, if all you can do is send one letter and you want to write it yourself and like you feel very passionate about that, fine, then you do that. And you know what? Mm -hmm. It's better than nothing. I will take that any day over no action. Um, but advocacy to drive consistent, successful change, um, it has to happen over time and it has to be consistent. And that's mm -hmm. why when we started looking into like, how we are going to structure those subscriptions. Um, the options are that you can send your representatives one letter a week or one letter a month. Um, and if you're advocating for something that like you feel extremely strongly about or that's extremely timely, for example, like when um, they were trying to get Trump to sign um, that part of the, the omnibus package, um, you can send a hundred letters at one time if you really wanna make a statement and have somebody in like that legislative office go, oh my God, these people really want this. Um, mm -hmm. So the weekly subscription is $12.99. It covers all of our costs to send the letters, print the letters, postage, all of that good stuff. Um, and that's for the entire year for that weekly subscription. And I think, what is the monthly subscription, DJ? I'm having a line brain moment, go <laughs> the, figure. The monthly subscription, so 12 letters is 12.99. The weekly, sorry, uh, yes. The weekly subscription, which is one letter a week being sent for 52 weeks is $50. So it's about $1 per letter, which is essentially our cost to provide the service. See, so it's, a, it's, a, <laughs> it's really not more than the cost of a stamp. And you're having a professional policy writer write these letters refresh the letters, send them on a scheduled basis and really influence change in the Lyme community in a tangible way. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. 
We want to thank all of you for listening to this special edition of the Tick Boot Camp interview with our guests, Alexandra Moresco and DJ McCurr. To our listeners, we have a call to action. If you'd like to learn more about Ali Moresco and DJ McCurr and their family's Lyme disease journey, please visit their Instagram page at Advocacy Express. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of the Tick Boot Camp podcast, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of our post. Third, we here at Tick Boot Camp are strongly urging you to purchase a subscription to Advocacy Express. This is a wonderful platform to assist you in your advocacy efforts for Lyme disease and Lyme disease funding from the federal government. Fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify to get your automatic episode updates of our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, please take a minute to leave us an honest review and rating on iTunes and on our website. Thank you for listening.